We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Episode 617 of the Al Galdi Podcast. It is Monday, July 24th, 2023. It is the first week of the rest of our lives. (laughs) The first full week of the Josh Harris Group owning the Commanders. The air is fresher. Food tastes better. Beer is colder. There is an extra pep in our step. Did you see the open letter to us Commanders fans that Josh Harris wrote? Uh, The letter was published in the Washington Post. Here are the last few paragraphs of the letter. Quote, it's no secret that these past years have been tumultuous for our franchise and our fans, but today marks a new era for the Commanders. From day one, It is our top priority to deliver you a championship-caliber team. With a proven track record of winning across sports and business, we invest and plan for long-term success. We listen, we learn, and we are eager to immerse ourselves in this franchise to guide it with the respect and dignity it deserves. Most importantly, we hope to earn your trust. We look forward to meeting you in the community and soon at FedEx Field and learning how we can make the maximum positive impact. Our promise is simple. We will do the work, create the culture, and make the investment needed to deliver for this team and for Washington. We will strive every day to ensure that we are a franchise you can be proud of. Josh Harris and the Washington Commander's Ownership Group, end quote. I tell you, everything that the Josh Harris Group has done since its purchase of the team from Dan and Tanya Snyder was approved by NFL owners last Thursday and since the sale closed this past Friday morning has just felt right. Every word being said is the right word. Every note being sung is the right note. Oh, I know this is the honeymoon phase, but still, 
Uh, this entire scenario is so refreshing. You know, we so have earned this as Washington, D.C. sports fans. Hello and welcome to this Monday installment of the Al Galdi podcast. What was, as of Sunday evening, the number 41 podcast in the country per Apple Podcasts in the U.S. football category. That is a credit to you, so thank you. Uh, coming up next segment, a conversation with Commander's Insider J.P. Finley of NBC4. You know, JP called this. He back in January highlighted Josh Harris as the person to watch in the sale of the Commanders. And sure enough, Harris bought the team. I'm going to talk to JP about how and why he was on Harris before anyone else in the media was and a lot more, including this new era of Washington football that is upon us. Uh, Whether we are in fact headed for a new Commander Stadium in Washington, D.C., uh, how JP interprets all that is swirling regarding the name, oh yeah, <laughs> the name, uh, and what JP is thinking regarding Sam Howell's status as the commander's QB1 as training camp is beginning. The great JP Finley, my buddy, my pal, next segment going in-depth on the commanders. And then after that, we are going to revel in excellent weekends for the Nationals and the Orioles. How about the Nats and the O's? The Nats authored a three-game sweep of the San Francisco Giants at Nationals Park, marking the Nats' first three-game sweep since June 2021. So much to like from the Nats in this series. We'll take you through the most relevant items. And I will talk outfielder Dylan Cruz. The Nats have signed Dylan Cruz, who they took with the number two overall pick in the 2023 MLB draft. Uh, We on Saturday afternoon had a press conference at which Cruz's agent, the notorious Scott Boris, got emotional and used a rather interesting pronoun. Uh, I'll explain. Uh, And the O's, uh, they ended up winning three or four games at the American League wildcard leading Tampa Bay Rays. Uh, The O's for this regular season now are an American League best 61 and 38, two games ahead of the Rays for the best record in the American League and for first place in the American League East. I mean, you think about these last few days in sports in the D to the M to the V. Commanders sold. Nats, their first three-game sweep since June 2021, and they signed Dylan Cruz. And the O's, they won three or four games in a big series at the race. I'm not sure that we can handle all of this happiness. Uh, you can tweet me at Al Galdi. You can email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. So much feedback on the sale of the commanders. It has been great hearing from so many of you. Email from Stanley Evans, right, Stanley? Galdi, I'm in tears as I'm writing this. I know it's just football, but what this team means to me and my family is second to none. My dad passed away three years ago. My dad would have never believed that this day would come, a day on which Magic Johnson, of all people, would be front and center hyping up this Washington fan base. This is the most pumped that I have ever been about going to training camp, let alone a game. You said it right on Saturday's show. These last 24 years always felt wrong, but it's a new day indeed. Hail Keep doing what you're doing, Goldie. Hallelujah. (laughs) Uh, Thank you for that email, Stanley. Uh, That was great. Email from Joel Charney. Writes Joel, hey, Al, you must be ecstatic right now. 
I knew that episode 615 would rise to the occasion, and I was not disappointed. It was the perfect combination of personal reflections, solid reporting, great analysis, and a bit of scheduled fun. (laughs) Nice job. Thank you very much for that, Joel. Continues Joel. A modest proposal. July 20th should henceforth be a holiday in the DMV. In terms of a name, I tried to riff off Skipper Dan's Happy Thanksgiving, everybody gaff, but that didn't work. So how about Liberation Day, as in liberation from the Snyder regime? On that day every year, fans across the DMV can gather to reminisce, celebrate the fall of Snyder, and celebrate new triumphs, hopefully. What do you think? Maybe you can help lead the petition drive. Congratulations and best wishes. Uh, Thank you very much for that email, Joel. Uh, What do you think? July 20th, an annual holiday, but only in the Washington, D.C. area. That would be our holiday. Nobody else's holiday. Uh, Our holiday. Uh, I'm down with that, you know. Uh, We could call July 20th our Daniversary. What do you think about that? Daniversary. Happy Daniversary. Every July 20th is our Daniversary. You know, it is fitting that the Dan Snyder era ended in a July because it was in July three years ago. July 2020, that the fall of Dan Snyder truly started. July 2020, right? Uh, The eruption of three controversies slash scandals happened in that unforgettable month of July 2020. The name change, the ownership turmoil, and the workplace misconduct scandal. All three of those things erupted in July 2020. And it turned out that all three of those things were related, and all three of those things, in their own ways, helped lead to the downfall of Dan, a downfall that was completed in July 2023. Uh, Email from Joe on the number three man in the Josh Harris group, Magic Johnson, writes, Joe, love the pod. It still gets me through my gym workouts, and I look forward to everyone. Keep up the excellent work, my friend. I was very impressed with the interview with Magic Johnson on the Today Show on NBC. You can feel his enthusiasm, and for those who are still fans, there is hope. Uh, Thank you for the email, Joe. You know, we all knew that Magic Johnson has charisma, okay? I don't think that anyone is uh, stunned by that. But I tell you, this past Friday, to see that charisma at work for one of our teams, to see that charisma in effect in what he said at the press conference at FedEx Field on Friday afternoon, and then how he interacted with fans at the training camp pep rally at FedEx Field, just outstanding. You know, Magic Johnson has one of the greatest smiles that you'll ever see. He seemingly is always happy. He's a very uplifting person, and he has an ability to connect with people That's special, really special. And we on Friday experienced that. Uh, The presence of Magic Johnson in the Josh Harris group, you know, that presence does not seem to be ceremonial. I don't know that anyone knew truly what to think about Magic Johnson in the Josh Harris group when that news first broke. But the more that I think about this and the more now that we are experiencing this, I think that Magic Johnson in the Josh Harris group could end up being a big time factor. Uh, especially when it comes to negotiations for the new stadium, uh, and to reigniting the fan base. Uh, Dan Snyder has been one of the least likable people in sports. Magic Johnson is one of the most likable people in sports. Think about that difference. Think about that discrepancy, the likability of Dan (laughs) versus the likability of Magic. Well, something that most certainly is not likable is a bad lawn. 
Uh, Turf Center Lawns can upgrade your bad lawn big time. Turf Center Lawns offers a variety of residential and commercial landscaping services. It is a local, multi-generational family business serving Maryland, Virginia, and Washington, D.C. Turf Center Lawns offers lawn care programs that will make and keep your lawn lush and green. Uh, Turf Center Lawns is outstanding at handling water problems. Intense summer storms can cause water and drainage problems for your home or business. Turf Center Lawns offers affordable and effective grading-based drainage solutions to prevent flooding, erosion, and wet basements and wet crawl spaces. Uh, Also, if you are a coach, an athletic director, a booster, know that Turf Center Lawns can create, improve, and or maintain athletic fields. Uh, Turf Center Lawns will give you and your team a professional, natural grass athletic field uh, and performs maintenance with a specializing in Bermuda grass fields. Uh, Turf Center Lawns installed the original Bermuda grass fields at a number of major venues, including the Commander's FedEx Field when it opened as Jack Ken Cook Stadium in 1997, Prince George's County Stadium, home of the Orioles AA affiliate, the Bowie Bay Sox, and Arthur W. Purdue Stadium, home of the Orioles Low A affiliate, the Delmarva Shorebirds. Uh, Turf Center Lawns also installs and rebuilds baseball and softball infields, batting cages, home putting greens, even bocce courts. Uh, If you have landscaping needs, drainage issues, or athletic field needs, contact Turf Center Lawns. Consultations and estimates are free. You have nothing to lose. Call 301-384-9300 or visit TurfCenterLawns.com. That's 301-384-9300 or TurfCenterLawns.com. And make sure that you tell Turf Center Lawns that Al Galdi sent you. Turf Center Lawns is comprised of experts in their field. Uh, They share a deep commitment to exceeding customer expectations on every job, uh, whether large or small. Look, when you hire Turf Center Lawns, your satisfaction is guaranteed. Call 301-384-9300 or visit TurfCenterLawns.com. That's 301-384-9300 or TurfCenterLawns.com. And make sure that you tell Turf Center Lawns that Al Galdi sent you. So, believe it or not, Commander's season essentially has started. Uh, no, the team's season of games has not started, but the season of uh, frequent football news regarding the team has started. 2023 Commanders training camp already is partially underway. Rookies and quarterbacks on Friday reported for camp and were to have practiced on Saturday. We on Tuesday have veterans due to report for Commanders training camp, and then we on Wednesday have the first practice of 2023 Commanders training camp. Uh, the team had announced the start of camp being on Thursday, but Uh, What's now the case is that the first full practice is on Wednesday. So training camp is getting going. The uh, commander's football news is about to start flowing. And oh, yeah, the team just got sold. Uh, Last Thursday and Friday, a two-day stretch like few others in Washington, D.C. sports history. NFL owners last Thursday voted unanimously to approve the sale of the commanders from Dan and Tanya Snyder to the Josh Harris Group. Uh, And we moments after the NFL announced this got the release of the Mary Jo White report. But we then on Friday morning had the closing of the sale. We then on Friday afternoon had a press conference for the Josh Harris Group at FedEx Field. There is a lot to be thinking about right now with our team. And so I'm very pleased to welcome back 
to the Al Galdi podcast, Commander's Insider, J.P. Finley of NBC4. He also is the host of the Beltway Football Podcast for NBC Sports Washington, and he's the co-host of B. Mitch and Finley on 106.7 The Fan weekdays from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. You can follow J.P. on Twitter at J.P. Finley NBCS. J.P., my friend, it is great to talk to you. How are you? I'm great, man. Um, you know, the uh, kind of like the, the joyous moment of Thursday and Friday of this thing actually getting to the finish line and being done, you know, kind of like the, the, the joyous immediacy of it kind of starts to fade and you kind of realize like, okay, well, what exactly is going to happen? And I think it's important to note, like, Josh Harris isn't going to block anybody or tackle anybody, you know? I mean, I, I think his impact will take time from, you know, what we see on the field. But I think you're already seeing – I mean, I, I, I don't know if you saw that he wrote that letter kind of to fans, an open letter, and put it in the post. Like, just stuff like that. One, writing an open letter to fans, but two, mending fences with the post. is just so smart and professional. And, and what I said throughout this thing is – Competent professional sports ownership shouldn't be like a goal, but for Commanders fans, it is because that just hasn't existed for so long, and you're already seeing it. And what's he done with the Sixers? They're they're they're, they're contenders, right? They're making the playoffs every year. The Devils, I think they've turned around pretty significantly. I'm not the biggest NHL guy, but you know, I know they had a great season, and and you just hope stability and getting back, making it where. The playoffs for the expectation and championships are a legitimate conversation is what everybody wants. Uh, it was you who first truly shined a spotlight on Josh Harris as the favorite to buy the Commanders. I give you a lot of credit for this. You back in January were on Josh Harris as the favorite to buy the team. Uh, was that based more on intel or intuition? Um, a little bit of both, maybe. I, I, was, I, I was pretty heavily tipped off from a few different spots. But what I also knew is that the people that were getting talked about weren't real. Um, and even everybody was always on Bezos. I was told from the beginning, Bezos wasn't in on this. Um, and, and I, you know, and then at various times, maybe it heated up or at various times, maybe dance camp just said that to try to get the price higher. Um, and, you know, I think, I think the, the price was, was really significant, and I knew the Harris group was going to be after this until the end. And um, I, I, it, it, I got some really good information along the way. Okay, well, you nailed it. Uh, so props to you. Uh, you know, for so long, the guy who you just mentioned, the uh, Amazon founder, Jeff Bezos, was viewed as the favorite to buy the commanders. And yet it turned out that he did not even submit a bid for the team. We have no idea how Josh Harris's ownership of the team is going to turn out. But knowing what we now know about the Harris group and hearing what we have heard from the Harris group, like right now, if I could wave a magic wand and make it so that Bezos bought the team, I would not do that. Do you think that we got the best realistic outcome in terms of who bought the commanders? I do. Um, you know, I, I thought the most important thing Josh has said now repeatedly is, hey, I'm from here. I went to RFK. I love this team. But I know being a fan isn't what this is about. It's about winning and rebuilding a culture. And I asked him on 
Friday at FedEx. Like, hey, you know, there's so much talk about the opportunity here. What about the level of work needed? And, and I, I was impressed and maybe even relieved that he seemed very cognizant of how much work there is to do. Because, dude, I mean, I was talking to some, like, Goldie, you and I live relatively close to one another. We, I think we our circle of friends probably has some serious overlaps. Um, you have diehard Skins fans, Commanders fans, whatever, right? They're going to be there. And then you have the next step of, like, quasi-diehards that are coming back. But there's a next level of guys that we grew up with and, and guys in Northern Virginia and Alexandria that are fans, but it's kind of phased out of their life to let their Sundays revolve around this thing. That's who you need to win back, right? Because you're going to have an immediate bump from all this, but it's kind of a you have, there's also an, a needed continuous rise where you get like my, I, I, I take my daughters to soccer games and lacrosse games and ice skating, all, all these things where kids are, right? And you don't see burgundy and gold gear on many kids. You just don't. And you have to change that. And, and I feel like they know that and they're working on it and will do that. But I, I, as much as there's this immediate bump, there's also this long-term plan, vision, return they need to work towards. Yeah, no question. Uh, you on Friday had an interesting conversation with uh, interior defensive lineman Jonathan Allen and receiver Terry McLaurin. How much the Dan Snyder factor has been a factor for actual Washington players has been tricky to assess because there definitely is a school of thought of, hey, as long as the check's clear, you know, the players don't care who the owner is. Uh, That said, John and Terry did come off really happy about the sale. How significant has the Dan Snyder factor been for actual Washington players? I mean, over the years, it is just, you know, over two decades, it has always just been this constant, like, unsettled nature of things. Um, and, I mean, for a, a long period of time, he was very present, very active. I mean, sabotaging seasons, sabotaging coaches, all that sort of stuff. Um, sabotaging drafts. I, you know, I, I was doing a San Francisco radio hit, and they're like, can you help us understand what Dan has done from a football perspective? And, and, <laughs> So I try to give him like the most recent colossal mess up, I think, was Dan forcing them to take Haskins at 15. The football staff wanted to take Brian Burns, who's had a good career with the Panthers. Dan forces Haskins. Let's ignore how everything turned out, right? Obviously, it's a tragedy. The guy's passed away. But he forces Haskins. Haskins is no good. They end up cutting him, you know, two years later, whatever it is. If they don't force Haskins there, they take Burns, that team in 19 still sucked. They were going to be bad no matter what. They just were bereft of talent, right? So they end up with the number two overall pick. And because Dan had forced Haskins the year before, you got to take Chase Young there. If Dan doesn't force Haskins there, who are they taking it to? Tua or Herbert? And how different is everything? Um, so that's just like the most recent colossal screw-up by that guy but on a football perspective. For players like John and Terry, guys that have been here the last, whatever that is, five, six years, and especially the last kind of the COVID year, the name change, the allegations, congressional stuff, um, I think, it's, it, you know, these guys had to deal with all of that. And they're getting asked by us, but they're also getting asked 
like they go out to dinner, they go to play golf, their girlfriends, their wives, like they're asking, like, what the hell's going on over there? And it's just they have nothing to do with it. They shouldn't have to deal with any of it, but that's just the, the reality. Like, I mean, think about at various places you've worked or whatever. When something major is happening and it's public, people ask you about it, right? Like I've been working in media that companies are constantly sold and bought and changed and all sorts of stuff. And I have people asking me about it. Most people have to deal with all that. And now they won't, <laughs> you know, will it take them from seven wins to 11? Probably not, but it'll be one less thing they have to deal with, which can't hurt. No, absolutely not. Much more with J.P. Findlay in moments. Uh, Still to come in our conversation, J.P.'s thoughts on the futures of head coach Ron Rivera and team president Jason Wright, the stadium situation, and yes, (laughs) the name. Uh, But here's a name that you should most definitely know. Paulson and Nace. If you have a case, contact Paulson and Nace. Paulson and Nace is a Washington, D.C.-based family law firm dedicated to promoting the rights of seriously injured persons and their families. You can call Paulson and Nace at 202-902-7611. And when you call, make sure that you tell Paulson and Nace that Al Galdi sent you. Uh, Paulson and Nace handles medical malpractice, personal injury, birth injury, legal malpractice, and consumer protection cases offering aggressive advocacy for victims in Washington, D.C. and West Virginia. Paulson and Nace is widely respected throughout Washington, D.C. and West Virginia for the firm's accomplishments both in and out of courtrooms. Uh, Chris Nace and Matt Nace are dedicated trial attorneys who do not balk in the face of large insurance companies or well-known businesses that have had practices or products that are directly related to the root of your harm. Uh, Chris Nace in May was named the 2023 Barry J. Nace Trial Lawyer of the Year. Uh, This by the D.C. Trial Lawyers Association. And Chris, just last week, was elected as the parliamentarian of the American Association for Justice. Uh, The guy is winning honors left and right. Uh, Why? Well, Paulson and Nace does not accept low settlement offers that benefit the people who cause clients harm more than the offers benefit the clients. This is because Paulson and Nace is not afraid to take a case to trial. And that's because Paulson and Nace wins trials. Paulson and Nace has secured millions of dollars in verdict and settlement amounts for clients to better enable them to care for themselves and their families. If you have a case, contact Paulson and Nace. Call Paulson and Nace at 202-902-7611. That's 202-902-7611. And when you call, make sure that you tell Paulson and Nace that Al Galdi sent you. Uh, you can also visit paulsonandace.com. That's paulsonandace.com. Just make sure that you tell Paulson and Nace that Al Galdi sent you. Paulson and Nace, if you have a case, contact Paulson and Nace. More now with Commander's Insider J.P. Finley of NBC4. Ron Rivera and Jason Wright. It may well be that both guys are not long for being with the Commanders. Then again, who knows? Uh, If I said to you that nine months from now, one of the two still has his current job with the team, who would you go with as having the best shot at that? Ron or Jason? Uh, I guess Jason, but... Jason can, and maybe Ron can say it too, that, you know, hey, I wasn't able to do my job at a high level because of Dan, so give me some time. But I think, I think some of, I don't know, man, I, I probably neither is, is the real answer. I also think with Jason, it'll be interesting 
when he took the job, it was about getting through the rebrand and like rebuilding the team. Jason, you know, he's got family on the West Coast. If he's like, hey, I took this job. This team was a mess. I've steadied the ship. Now there's great leadership. I, I want to try something new. Like that, that would seem fairly real, like real, right? Like genuine. Yeah. Um, because I, the biggest thing now for, for the team from a business perspective is the new stadium. And I think with Dan at the helm, because nobody would speak to him, he was a pariah, you know, a new st- Jason was the lead on a new stadium, all the politicians, all the money people, whoever you have to talk to for that stuff, it was going to be Jason in those meetings. Now, I think political doors, capital doors, all of these things are now open to Harris and Rails and Magic Damn Johnson. You know what I mean? Like, so it's great to be the team president, but the owners are probably going to handle this stuff now. So that probably changes some of that paradigm. Like, Dan, nobody wanted to meet with Dan. I imagine everybody wants to meet with these guys. And one, as we talk about, I mean, Rails is here and probably one of the richest people in our area and one of the most powerful philanthropic people in our area. Like that dude's going to get his calls returned. And I think, I think we'll, 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 we'll see here over the next year. I think Mark Ein, I don't know if you know him at all, Al, but he's a really outgoing, nice guy that is very involved in like all assets of, all aspects of DC kind of community affairs. I think Mark Ein may emerge as kind of the public face of the ownership group, or at least I wouldn't be surprised by that. And, you know, at what point is there enough oxygen left for a, a guy like Jason, who's a dynamic personality and, and, and a clear leader? Um, so I, I, you know, Ron, it's about, you know, you got to win 10 games in a playoff game, probably is my guess. Um, you know, Ron's equation is much simpler and it's, probably heavily tilted not against him but like there's three years of concrete evidence of what you've done and it's not a lot so i, I think the ron answer is way simpler than the jason one with the stadium more and more it is feeling like the commander's next stadium being in washington dc is a possibility and maybe even the most likely outcome uh to borrow a phrase from you is the momentum real for the team's next stadium being in D.C.? Absolutely. I, I mean, you got publicly all the politicians coming out, right? Um, privately, when I was in Minnesota talking with some league people, I think I think there's a lot of support there. And, you know, I, I think the Shield carries a lot of weight, man, when they want to get real involved with something. Um, the fact that I, I believe it's James Comer, I know, I know it's Comer, C-O-M-E-R. Yeah, yeah. A Republican congressman, and in, in, in general, this is what my political friends have told me, in general, the GOP never does much to help the actual city. And they, and they kind of try to usurp federal authority most of the time. For a, for a Republican congressman to be one of the, I don't even know how you phrase all this stuff out, but like the co-sponsors or whatever of trying to move legislation to give the land back to the city is a really, really big deal. Um, so I think there's serious momentum there. I really believe that. Um, and there is political and financial capital that can help that. Uh, but you're still dealing with Capitol Hill. So you got politicians in – I recognize we're not technically in the election year, but we're getting damn close, especially this fall when they're going to be doing things. So you got national politicians, and then you've got local politicians. I mean you have two – 
Mendelssohn and um, I'm blanking on the other dude's name, but two like very vocal, grumpy, we don't want a stadium people. Um, now maybe that changes. The marriage of white report came out. You got new ownership. Um, I, I think, I think what a politicians locally and nationally care about most is getting reelected self-preservation. And I do think there's going to be a groundswell of enthusiasm among the DC electorate to get this done. And, and I think that'll help a lot. All right. Everyone's favorite topic, the name. <laughs> uh, I have to say, I do think that the comments from the uh, number three person in the Josh Harris group, Magic Johnson, uh, on Friday morning on the Today Show on NBC have been overblown at least a little bit. I mean, what Magic said was, quote, I think everything's on the table, especially after this year. We'll see where we are with the name and quote. And people took what Magic said on the Today Show is him saying that the commanders are considering changing their name after this coming season. Twitter blew up over this. Uh, I took those comments more as, hey, anything's possible, but we're not sure of anything. Uh, We also had Josh Harris on Friday afternoon at the presser at FedEx Field uh, dancing around the name issue. How do you interpret what Johnson and Harris said? Josh has been very uh, neutral. I would say uh, magic. I don't, I, I, I read a little more into it than you allowed, but that's also because I, again, being in Minnesota, talk to somebody that's like, yeah, you know, I wouldn't say the door's closed on that. Um, so I, I, I think people got to chill out. Like they're not, it's not going to be Redskins by week one, you know, <laughs> like relax. I, I think it's probably still more likely than not that they don't do anything, but I definitely think changing it is, possibility. I, I, I don't know that changing it back to Redskins would ever happen, but I, I do think, and I think we've already seen this, there was a real effort to like distance the term Redskins where nobody said it or thought about it. and it, You know what I mean? Like, that's over because everybody's saying it now. Um, and dude, I, I, I like the, the, the political discussion that starts happening whenever you talk about the name sucks and I don't want to enter into that, but the current name also sucks. Like, just the name Commander sucks. So if they want to make something better, like I'm all for it. Uh, I, I do, I do know that over the course of the name change, there was real conversation around better names that perhaps had more fan support. But they chose the path of least resistance. They, I, I think, legally trademark applications, all of it. I think they didn't want to have to deal with much of a hassle. Um, I think the new people aren't about path of least resistance i think they're about doing what's right and what is best and i think everybody kind of knows the name sucks to me there is no new name for the team that is going to be universally accepted every new name is flawed in some way the name change that would generate the most acceptance would be going back to redskins personally i do think that there's a compelling case for that. And I've talked about this at length uh, on this podcast, including in a conversation with Eunice Davidson and Tony Andrews of the Native American Guardians Association, uh, a Native American group advocating for the commanders to go back to the name Redskins. Uh, That conversation was on episode 609 of this podcast. Uh, But look, I also totally recognize that the likelihood of the team going back to the name Redskins is small. That said, especially off Josh Harris and others this past Friday, uh, all willingly saying the word Redskins and not being shy about saying Redskins. 
it does feel like going back to Redskins isn't the zero chance probability as has been said. What do you think? We always do a hundred chips, right? On our podcast. That's a, it's an old Rich Tandler game. Who's a guy I'd love to have a beer with right now and just see his smile. But hundred chips on the name stuff. I, I think you got to say still 60 that it stays commanders. 35 that it, it's something else. Maybe five that it goes back to Redskins. Well, okay. So not, not zero, but you know, not significant. Yeah. Yeah. But dude, a year ago, it would have been 100 that it stays commanders and nothing else. You know? I agree. I think that the door is open, uh, however slight. <laughs> uh, final question, an actual football question. Imagine that. Uh, as someone who covers the team, what is the right way to view Sam Howell as the QB1 as training camp is beginning? He's the guy, and any notion of a quarterback competition with Jacoby Brissett should be minimal, or this is more of a fluid situation and nothing should be assumed? He's it. He's QB1, period. Full stop at least through the Ravens joint practices and the Monday nighter against Baltimore. Now, if, 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 you know, so what'll that be about a month? If the results are really bad between now and then, maybe they go to Brissett. I don't see it happening. Um, but he's it, he's it. And he's going to get every, every opportunity. And I think, I think he'll prove good enough to keep the job like going into week one. I, there's a lot to like with Sam, and people have really overhyped what Brissett is. Brissett is like a a poor man's Alex Smith. The ball does not move much. He averages like 160 yards passing in his career, over 48 starts. Like it's he can run a little bit. He's great as, as a short yardage runner. He's really, really great at that. He doesn't turn the ball over, but there's not going to be a lot of yards. And I think, I think the enemy. I think they're going to want more than that. And I think that is. Good. Uh, I'm excited to see what he does. Commander's Insider, J.P. Findley of NBC4. Uh, J.P., I always enjoy talking with you. Thanks so much for your time. Thanks, Al. Always enjoy talking to you, man. J.P. Findley, tremendous insight on the Commanders. Uh, If you have like 20 seconds, please consider rating and reviewing this podcast. You want Apple Podcasts and on Spotify can rate the podcast. Five-star ratings are very much appreciated. And you on Apple Podcasts can write a review saying that you like the podcast. The review does not have to be long. can be uh, just a sentence or two. But the ratings and the reviews help out this podcast a lot. So thank you very much for doing them. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Well, at last it has happened. It is the Nationals sweeping a series. The Nats had not authored a sweep of a series, any series, since August 2021. The Nats had not swept a series of at least three games since June 2021. But the Nats over the weekend swept a three-game series against the San Francisco Giants at Nationals Park. Friday night, a 5-3 win. Saturday night, a 10-1 win in a game in which the Nats scored six runs in the bottom of the second and four runs in the bottom of the fourth. And Sunday afternoon, a 6-1 win. Understand, the Giants came into the weekend tied with the Arizona Diamondbacks atop the National League wildcard standings. The Giants overall are having a good season, but the Nats... The boys, (laughs) Uh, they over the weekend dominated the Giants. I'm proud of the boys. Yes, sir. The boys, uh, Nats manager Davey Martinez and the boys, a three-game sweep in which they outscored the Giants 21-5. Now, the Nats still have not swept a road series of at least three games since August 2019, uh, but we'll deal with that at another time. Uh, The Nats a really good weekend. The Nats now for this regular season are 41-58. and 58. Tremendous pitching by the Nats over the weekend, both in terms of starting pitching and relief pitching. Uh, very nice to see Mackenzie Gore do as he did in this 6-1 win on Sunday afternoon. Gore tossed five scoreless innings with eight strikeouts. So he gave up just four hits, a double, and three singles. He issued two walks. He did throw a lot of pitches. Uh, he over his five innings threw 90 pitches, 56 strikes versus 34 balls, but this to me was Gore's best outing in nearly a month. Uh, The 8-3 win at the San Diego Padres on June 25th. Gore in that game, one run in five innings with nine strikeouts, including striking out the ex-NAD Juan Soto with runners at the corners and two outs in what ended up only being a one-run Padres fit. Mackenzie Gore now for this regular season, 20 starts, an ERA of 437. His ERA has crept up lately, but it went down uh, on Sunday afternoon, and Gore has a strikeouts per nine innings of 10.87. He has been by far the best strikeout pitcher among Nats starting pitchers this season. The best pitcher among Nats starting pitchers this season has been Josiah Gray, and he in game two of this series was good yet again. Uh, Gray in the 10-1 win on Saturday night allowed one run in seven innings. Now, he did walk three of the first five batters he faced, but he then settled down, uh, did not issue a walk the rest of the outing, and ultimately in the outing, gave up just four hits, a double, and three singles. He recorded four strikeouts. He threw 87 pitches, 58 strikes versus 29 balls. So Josiah Gray now for this regular season, 20 starts at ERA of 345. Uh, his whip is 144, but he has shown an ability to limit runs so despite putting guys on base. And then Jake Irvin in game one. Uh, Irvin in the 5-3 win on Friday night, three runs in six and two-thirds innings with nine strikeouts versus one walk. Uh, he gave up five hits, two home runs, and three singles. He threw a lot of pitches, but also a lot of strikes. He threw 111 pitches, but 75 strikes versus 
just 36 balls. Uh, Irvin was coming off a bad outing, uh, the 9-6 loss at the St. Louis Cardinals on July 15th. Irvin in that game was bad for the first time in six starts since having his turn in the rotation skipped. He allowed four runs in three innings, but Irvin this past Friday night was at least decent for a sixth time in seven starts since having his turn in the rotation skipped. He's doing a nice job uh, in making his case for being part of of the Nats' future. Uh, And the Nats' bullpen in this three-game sweep of the Giants was good. Yes, I said good. Uh, A Nats' bullpen that had been reeling had an effective no-drama weekend. Uh, Nats' relievers over the three games in the series combined to allow one run in eight and a third innings. Funny what happens with your bullpen when you get good starting pitching and you don't have to lean uh, on your bullpen so much. Uh, So really good pitching by the Nats in this three-game sweep of the Giants and really good hitting by the Nats in the series. More good work by C.J. Abrams as the Nats' leadoff batter. Uh, He was the Nats' starting shortstop and number one batter in each of the three games in the series. The 6-1 win on Sunday afternoon. Abrams went 0-4 with an RBI sack fly, but the 10-1 win on Saturday night. Abrams, on his bobblehead night, (laughs) went 2-5 with a two-run homer and a single. And the 5-3 win on Friday night, Abrams went 2-4 with a solo homer and a single. C.J. Abrams now over 12 games as the Nats' number one batter, a batting average of 380. And on base percentage of 407 and a slugging percentage of 620, he has thrived batting in that number one spot. Uh, so this coming Tuesday is July 25th. The following Tuesday is August 1st, uh, which is 2023 MLB trade deadline day. We know that third baseman Jamer Candelario is an at's number one trade ship this season. But what about Lane Thomas? Is he about to be traded? I actually think that the Nats should lean toward keeping Thomas as a piece for the future, but boy, did he have a good weekend. Uh, Thomas was the Nats starting right fielder and number two batter at each of the three games in the series. He, in the 6-1 win on Sunday afternoon, had one of the best games that any Nats player has had this season. You talk about an all-around game. Lane Thomas on Sunday afternoon, three for four with an RBI double and two singles, four for four on stolen bases, and two impressive defensive plays. He shined as a batter, a base runner, and a fielder. Uh, Thomas, in an at's two-run first, had a one-out single off Giants third baseman J.D. Davis into left field, uh, and Thomas had to steal a second base. Thomas, in an at's one-run third, had a first-pitch leadoff opposite field single to shallow right center field and steals of second and third base. Thomas, in an at's two-run fourth, had a two-out RBI double off the left field warning track for a 5-0 Nats lead, and he had a steal of third base. Thomas made a very nice catch for the third out in the top of the fourth. He with runners on second and third, and the Nats holding a 3-0 lead made a sliding forward catch of a two-out opposite field liner by Casey Schmidt. And Thomas, in the top of the eighth, had a put-out and an outfield assist on a 9-3 double play. He made a leaping backhanded catch on the warning track of a one-out fly ball by Patrick Bailey, and then fired the ball to first base to retire a uh, retreating Wilmer Flores. What a game by Lane Thomas on Sunday afternoon. He had the 10-1 win on Saturday night, went one for five with an RBI double and two strikeouts. He had the 5-3 win on Friday night, went two for four with a first pitch solo homer and a first pitch single. Uh, Thomas, in an at's two-run first, had a one-out first pitch solo homer on a bomb to left center field to tie the game at one. That homer went a projected 413 feet per stat cast. Uh, Lane Thomas now for this regular season, number one among all qualified Nats players in OPS 
at 835. And while we're talking trade chips for the Nats, is Dominic Smith playing himself into being a trade chip? Uh, Smith was the Nats starting first baseman and number six batter for each of the final two games of this three-game sweep of the Giants. He, in the 6-1 win on Sunday afternoon, went two for four with a two-run single and another single. Smith, in the Nats' two-run first, had a two-out, two-run single to right field for a 2 nothing Nats lead. He, in the 10-1 win on Saturday night, went two for four with two RBI singles. Dominic Smith, for this regular season, has a slugging percentage of just 355. He has hit for, like, no power, but his on-base percentage is 338. That's pretty good. His batting average is 272. That's pretty good. And he, for this month of July, has an OPS of 834. That's quite good. You know, oftentimes with trade deadline deals in baseball, it's not just about what a guy's doing for the season. It's what a guy is doing at that moment. And so you can have a guy who overall has not had a really good season, but is in the moment playing well, you know, is over the last few weeks playing well. And you can get something for that guy. I wonder if maybe possibly the Nats can get something for Dominic Smith. We'll see. Uh, And I also want to give props to the Nats catchers in this three-game sweep of the Giants. Lots of offense from Kbert Ruiz and Riley Adams. Uh, Kbert was the Nats starting catcher and number five batter in each of the first two games of the series. He, in a 10-1 win on Saturday night, went two for three with an RBI single, another single, and a walk. He, in the 5-3 win on Friday night, went one for four with an RBI double. And Riley Adams, he, in the 6-1 win on Sunday afternoon as the Nats starting catcher and number seven batter. Two for four with a solo homer and a single. Uh, Adams in the Nats two-run fourth, a leadoff single up the middle on a one-two pitch. And Adams in the Nats one-run fifth, a two-out solo homer to left field on an 0-2 pitch for a 6-0 Nats lead. So you look at K-Bert Ruiz. He, for this month of July, batting average of 306, on base percentage of 358, slugging percentage of 510. Uh, He this season has hit into a lot of bad luck. Finally, the luck is starting to turn for K-Bit Ruiz. He's having a really good month of July. And Riley Adams for this regular season, just 91 plate appearances, but an OPS of 886. He has not played much, but when he has played, he has produced. Uh, Also with the Nats over the weekend, the signing of the man who they on July 9th took with the number two overall pick in the 2023 MLB draft, LSU outfielder Dylan Cruz. Uh, The Nats on Saturday officially signed Cruz. And, you know, the Dylan Cruz watch now is on. How soon will he be playing for the Nats at the major league level? He, to me, is their most well-regarded prospect since outfielder Bryce Harper. Uh, Cruz in LSU's 2023 national championship season played in all 71 of the team's games. How about this? He reached base safely in all 71 of those games. Uh, Just ridiculous. He finished with an incredible slash line of a batting average of 426 and on base percentage of 567 and a slugging percentage of 713. Uh, Just some whopping numbers put up by Dylan Cruz. He on June 25th won the 2023 Golden Spikes Award, which honors the top amateur baseball player in the country. Baseball America on July 14th came out with the outlet's updated top 100 prospects off the 2023 MLB draft. Cruz was ranked as the number four prospect in baseball. Uh, We on Saturday afternoon had a press conference for the signing of Cruz. So speaking at the presser were Cruz. His agent, Scott Boris, and uh, Nats president of baseball operations and general manager Mike Rizzo. This was Rizzo on now having Dylan Cruz 
as a key piece in the Nats rebuild. Well, it's 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 always great to to add a a you know a keystone type of uh, player in the organization. Uh, you know, like I've said before, we we've been here before, and uh, and uh, when I was out and about seeing you know the, some of the top players uh, in, in the country this year, uh, uh, I knew I knew I had my pick when I left University of Mississippi uh, against LSU. So uh, it was it was something that uh, that we you know we there was a lot of decision making, there was a lot of thought put into this, but uh, but you know my instinct was. When, when I left that ballpark, I knew who we were taking. All right. Interesting to hear Mike Rizzo say that he knew he had his pick when he left an LSU-Mississippi State game, uh, given that a lot of people think that the Nats would have taken LSU starting pitcher Paul Skeens had he not been taken by the Pittsburgh Pirates with the number one overall pick in the 2023 draft. But You know, what Rizzo may have meant there is that he, after the LSU-Mississippi State game, knew that he would be taking Cruz or Skeens with that number two overall pick. Uh, Mike Rizzo on Saturday afternoon then got asked why he, after the LSU-Mississippi State game, knew that he would be taking Dylan Cruz. You know, o- over the years, my experience in, in the draft, just, this was just a uh, uh, a not only not only uh, uh, a unique player, but uh, but a a player that I've seen for years. I've seen him grow uh, as as a player. Uh, you know, he's he's been th- the man for three years at LSU. Had had the target on his back, and you would never know it. Uh, he played he plays with a a uh, a slow pulse and, and a low heart rate, uh, a lot like Anthony Rendon was when when I saw him at Rice. And uh, this is uh, this is a guy that is. It was about one thing. It wasn't. It wasn't going four for four and impressing the scouts. It was about winning that game, and uh, he was, you know, I, I would, uh, I would solo in on him. And he's pitch to pitch, and and a guy that uh, took great pains in preparation, and uh, you know, not only pregame, during the game, but postgame, I'd watch him in the dugout, and he's he was always helping people and uh, and trying to uh, trying to get the edge. Well, Dylan Cruz, outfielder James Wood, and third baseman Brady House. Those three guys right now are the Nats' top three prospects. Wood and House are playing for AA Harrisburg, uh, as is one of the Nats' top pitching prospects, starter Jackson Rutledge, and Cruz does not figure to be in the minors for long. Bottom line, all of these guys could be playing for the Nats at the major league level next season, to say nothing about starting pitcher Cade Cavalli, uh, hopefully being back next season from Tommy John surgery that he underwent in March. Uh, Now, as for Scott Boris uh, at this press conference on Saturday afternoon, he got emotional. Uh, Boris famously has a very good relationship with the Nats owners, the learners. Uh, He had an especially good relationship with the late Ted Lerner, who passed away in February at the age of 97. Uh, This was Boris on Saturday afternoon. I want to point out one other thing, if I may, is that today the final point of our negotiation was to ask that Annette Lerner come and meet Dylan and his family. And she came today. And she's a special lady, and we all have a very lost head. We all built a championship here. And we did it with core players like Rendon and Harper and Strasburg and and Worth. And to see this next generation come and with Mark and Judy and and uh, and having Annette here, I wanted the the Cruz family and Dylan to meet that history. 
to share in it and, and watch it grow and let her meet the, the next future of the next generation of what Ted wanted. So how about that? Scott Boris, uh, maybe slash probably the most powerful agent in all of sports, getting emotional right there. He is human after all. Who knew? Uh, but also in that cut that I just played for you was Boris using the pronoun we. Did you notice that? Quote, we all built a championship here. End quote. We all built a championship here. <laughs> yeah, Scott Boris, quote, we all built a championship here, end quote. We. Uh, Scott Boris apparently is part of the Nats organization. We. Unbelievable. Uh, next up for the Nats, a three-game series against the National League worst Colorado Rockies at Nationals Park. Yes, we will have a three-game series between the two worst teams in the National League in the Nats and the Rockies. Game one, Monday night at 7.05, Patrick Corbin will be the Nats starting pitcher. Game two, Tuesday night at 7.05, Trevor Williams will be the Nats starting pitcher. And game three, Wednesday afternoon at 12.05, Jake Irvin will be the Nats starting pitcher. All right, so a great last four days for the Commanders, who have been sold. A great last three days for the Nationals, who authored their first sweep of a three-game series since June 2021. And a great last four days for the Orioles, who won three of four in their biggest series of the season so far. A big four-game series at the American League wildcard leading Tampa Bay Rays. Thursday evening, a 4-3, 10-inning win, despite the O's blowing a 3-1, seventh-inning lead. Friday evening, a 3-0 loss. Saturday, a 6-5 win, despite the O's blowing a 5-0, six-inning lead. Sunday afternoon, a 5-3 win, despite the O's blowing a 3 nothing fourth inning lead. So the O's in the series won three of the four games despite blowing a significant lead in each of the team's three wins. But hey, a win is a win. And the O's three times out of the four games in this series, Joe Angel, were in the win column. And the Orioles again in the win column. That is correct, Joe. The win column, the O's for this 2023 regular season now are an American League best 61-38, and 38, two games ahead of the Rays for the best record in the American League and for first place in the American League East. You know, the Rays' home ballpark, Tropicana Field, a.k.a. the Trop, uh, had been a house of horrors for the O's. The O's went just 4-17 and 17 in games at Tropicana Field over the previous three regular seasons, 2020 through 2022. But the O's now in this regular season are 4-2 and two at the Trop. Uh, this was O's manager, Brandon Hyde, during his postgame session with reporters on Sunday afternoon. Yeah, tough place to play. Trouble playing here in the past, and we just played... You know, four really good games. Um, I guess a really good team, and just really proud of our, all of our guys' effort. It's going to take 26 or more the rest of the way. All, everybody contributed. Um, I thought you know we did a lot of things well this series, and hopefully we can keep it rolling in the Philly. A lot, of, a lot of baseball yet to play, but you guys created some space between you and the Rays this time. Still a lot of games to let to go, and that's a really good team, and I'm, they're they're going to. 
we're going to continue to win, and um, we just got to take care of what we need to take care of. Yes, you do, but it is impossible if you are an Orioles fan not to be excited right now. There is a feeling to this Orioles season that is undeniable. There is, dare I say, a magic to this season. And yes, <laughs> I did say magic. Yes, sir. Orioles Magic. Hey, Magic Johnson now is one of the commander's owners, and Orioles Magic is in full effect. Uh, now, the O's won three of the four games at the Rays, despite not hitting all that well. Uh, but the O's did get some big hits. Uh, the O's in this 5-3 win on Sunday afternoon scored five runs on eight hits. Uh, the eight hits were comprised of two home runs, three doubles, and three singles. The O's in this game only drew two walks, went just two for 11 with runners in scoring position. But Gunnar Henderson, uh, he on Sunday afternoon as the Orioles starting shortstop and number one batter went two for four with a two-run homer, a single, and a walk. And that two-run homer was something. Henderson in an Orioles two-run second, a two-out two-run homer on a moonshot to right center field for a 3 nothing Orioles lead. The homer went a projected 446 feet per stat cast, hit the D-ring catwalk high above the race tank in right center field. Gunnar Henderson has been so impressive batting base running defense. The guy does it all. Uh, he, for this regular season, is number two among all qualified Orioles players in OPS at 818. The other Oriole who homered in the 5-3 win on Sunday afternoon was Ryan O'Hearn. He is the Orioles starting first baseman and number four batter. Went two for four with a solo homer and a double. O'Hearn in an Orioles one-run six had a tie-breaking leadoff opposite field homer off the left field foul pole on an 0-2 pitch for a 4-3 Orioles lead, the homer winner projected 331 feet per stat cast. That was it, 331 feet. So we on Sunday afternoon had, according to StatCast, Gunnar Henderson's homer measuring at 446 feet <laughs> and Ryan O'Hearn's homer measuring at a mere 331 feet. But man, has Ryan O'Hearn been productive? You know, he in the 6-5 win on Saturday had a big hit. O'Hearn in an Orioles one-run ninth had a pinch tie-breaking one-out full-count RBI single to right field for a 6-5 Orioles lead. You know, the O's in that game on Saturday scored six runs on just seven hits. Uh, the seven hits were comprised of three doubles and four singles, and the O's drew five walks, uh, and the O's went four for nine with runners in scoring position. But Ryan O'Hearn in this regular season, 179 plate appearances and OPS of 886. The O's this past January traded cash considerations to the Kansas City Royals for Ryan O'Hearn, and he is producing to the tune of an 886 OPS. What a pickup. 
Uh, but yeah, the O's won three or four at the Rays, despite not hitting all that much. I mean, that 3 nothing loss on Friday evening was rough. The O's in that game totaled no runs, just two hits and just two walks, struck out 14 times, got dominated by Rays starter Zach Eflin, who tossed seven scoreless innings with eight strikeouts versus one walk. Uh, as for the Orioles starting pitching in this series, well, First, the bad news. Uh, All is not well with Tyler Wells right now. Uh, He had been the Orioles' best starting pitcher this season, but he in Game 4 struggled for a second consecutive start. Wells in the 5-3 win on Sunday afternoon, three runs in four and a third innings. Now, he only gave up one hit, which was a two-run homer, but he issued four walks and two hit-by-pitches. He did record five strikeouts, but he over his four and a third innings threw 77 pitches, 44 strikes, versus 33 balls. Wells's previous outing came in the 10-3 loss to the National League West leading Los Angeles Dodgers at Oriole Park at Camden Yards this past Tuesday night. Wells in that game, five runs in two innings. Here was Brandon Hyde during his postgame session with reporters on Sunday afternoon on Tyler Wells. Just think his like last time a little bit command wasn't right wasn't really there. Um, you know, he doesn't normally hit guys or walk people. That's league leader and whip for a reason. Um, and so just a little bit when when he's walking guys or a lot of three two counts. Um, I just want to make sure that that's kind of why I took him out of the game honestly, just because it wasn't normal Tyler Wells outing. And so. Uh, we're continuing to monitor him. He's throwing a lot of innings, and he's not used to this many innings. And um, but we need him, and and uh, that's why I took him out when I did. Yeah, you know Tyler Wells no longer is number one among all qualified pitchers in the majors in WHIP for this regular season. He had been number one for the longest time, uh, but he's now actually number two. Zach Eflin actually is number one. You hope that Wells isn't injured. You know, he does have an injury history. Wells last season was on the 15-day injured list from July 28th, 2022 to September 7th, 2022 due to lower left side discomfort. And he ended the season on the 15-day IL due to right shoulder inflammation. And Wells' 2021 season ended with him on the 10-day injured list due to right shoulder inflammation. It's important to remember that Tyler Wells is a converted reliever. Uh, He was a reliever as recently as that 2021 season. But the Orioles did get good starting pitching in each of the first three games of this series at the Rays. The 6-5 win on Saturday, Grayson Rodriguez, two runs in five and two-thirds innings with six strikeouts. He gave up just three hits, a double and two singles. He issued two walks. He threw 93 pitches, 56 strikes versus 37 balls. The 3 nothing loss on Friday evening, Kyle Bradish was good to at least some extent for an eighth consecutive start. He allowed two runs in six innings with five strikeouts versus one walk. He gave up six hits, a homer, two doubles, and three singles. Did issue two wild pitches. He threw 93 pitches, 61 strikes versus 32 balls, and the 4-3-10 inning win on Thursday evening. Kyle Gibson was solid. Three runs in six innings with eight strikeouts, and two of the runs charged to Gibson came on a double that was given up by reliever Yanir Cano. Uh, As for the Orioles' bullpen in winning three or four games at the Rays, uh, well, the results were mixed. Uh, Now, the O's in their 5-3 win on Sunday afternoon got great bullpen work. Three Orioles relievers combined for four and two-thirds scoreless innings with six strikeouts. Mike Bauman tossed two and two-thirds scoreless and hitless innings. Brandon Hyde, during his postgame session with reporters on Sunday afternoon, called Bauman the player of the game. Uh, Yadir Cano was good in this game, a perfect bottom of the eighth, and Felix Batista tossed a scoreless bottom of the ninth with three swinging strikeouts, although 
he did give up two singles. But, you know, I mentioned Yanir Cano in the 4-3-10 inning win on Thursday evening, giving up a two-run double. He did the first battery face, gave up a game-tying two-run opposite field double by Yandy Diaz to the right center field gap on a 1-2 pitch to tie the game at three in the bottom of the seventh. And Cano in the 6-5 win on Saturday gave up another big hit. He officially tossed two-thirds of a scoreless inning, but he, to the first batter he faced, gave up a one-out RBI single by Isak Paredes to center field on a 1-2 pitch in the bottom of the seventh to cut the Orioles' lead to 5-3. Yanir Cano in recent weeks has become rather hittable. And speaking of hittable, uh, the new guy, Shintaro Fujinami. So the O's last Wednesday evening acquired reliever Shintaro Fujinami via trade with the Oakland A's. This season is his age 29 season and his first season in the majors. The A's this past January signed Fujinami as a free agent from Japan. He initially was a starting pitcher for the A's, but he struggled badly in that role. They moved him to the bullpen. He came to the O's having since the beginning of June posted an ERA of 326 with 20 strikeouts in 19 and a third innings. But Fujinami so far with the O's has not been good. Uh, The 3-0 loss on Friday evening, Fujinami in his Orioles debut, one run in one inning. He on his very first pitch as an Oriole gave up a homer. Uh, He in the bottom of the seventh gave up a leadoff first pitch homer by Jose Siri to left field for a 3-0 raised lead, although the homer did go just a projected 359 feet per stat cast. But then in the 6-5 win on Saturday, Fujinami two runs in two-thirds of an inning. He in the bottom of the eighth allowed two runs to tie the game at five. He began his appearance by issuing two walks and a wild pitch and ended his appearance by giving up a two-out RBI single by Randy Arozarena on a 1-2 pitch to tie the game at five, although the single was a one-hopper that uh, skipped by Orioles shortstop Jorge Mateo. But Fujinami in this appearance threw just nine strikes versus 14 balls. So, look, this series at the Rays was a battle, okay, no doubt, uh, but a terrific job by the O's in winning three of four. Next up for the O's, a three-game series at the Philadelphia Phillies. Game one, Monday evening at 6.40, Dean Kramer will be the Orioles' starting pitcher. Game two, Tuesday evening at 6.40, Kyle Gibson will be the Orioles' starting pitcher. And game three, Wednesday evening at 6.05, Kyle Bradish will be the Orioles' starting pitcher. And that will do it for you and me for now. Keep the feedback coming. You can tweet me at Al Galdi. You can email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. Tuesday show, episode 618. We'll have plenty for you on the Commanders. Also talk Nationals and Orioles. And that's on Monday night at 7.05. Have game one of a three-game series against the Colorado Rockies at Nationals Park. The O's on Monday evening at 6.40. of game one of a three-game series at the Philadelphia Phillies. Have a great rest of your Monday. And I'll talk to you on Tuesday. We all built a championship here. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. 
the trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.